0: First Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Knowing that, thereun, that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. We ask our Heavenly Father your blessing on our considerations this evening. We pray that you would put each and every one of us in the vice of your convicting hand. Not that we would so much as feel the pain, but understand that there's room for us to grow. We ask that you'd give us that leadership. In Jesus' name, amen. How many times have you been sitting in a reception area... Waiting for somebody to call your name. How many times in the last week have you been sitting in a doctor's office waiting for your name to be called or someone else that you have taken to the doctor waiting for the conclusion of the appointment? The last time that I was in such a place, my wife and had... My wife and I had been in there for more than an hour before a nurse came out holding a file folder and calling Judy's name. At that point, we got up, we followed the young woman into an examining room or treatment room. We were called, we responded, and four or five other people, potential patients, were left sitting in the waiting room. Waiting. In our text, Peter uses the common biblical word kalio, which means to call, or to bid, meaning to invite. We'll get to them in just a minute, but he also refers to two other things on either side of the statement, knowing that ye are thereunto called. In that reception room, to which I just referred, I heard a couple of people grumbling about the long wait that they had. They're not as smart as I am to always take a book to a doctor's appointment. Anyway, uh, someone said, this is ridiculous. Another person said, I think we should leave. Nobody left. They all thought that this appointment was relatively important, that they better stay around, even it took a couple of hours to get in to see the doctor. The calling to which Peter refers is also important. But it's far more important than to be visited or observed by a physician here in this world. It is important also that you and I know... Whereunto we have been called. Before getting to Peter's point, consider a couple of things about the calling to which he referred. First, this is not the calling of Dr. Peter and his nurse. Peter is pointing to the calling of God. It is a calling which is motivated by grace. It is undeserved. It is a gift. And he implies that it is a calling to which all saints have been given and to which they have responded. In other words, Peter is speaking to you and me in this passage. We've already seen that. We've begun at the beginning of the book. We've seen where it was directed. We have been introduced. We have been invited. This is a calling which God has given to us. And in the light of that verse, we could ask, Do you know whereunto ye have been called? What does the verse say? Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that thereunto ye were called, that ye should receive a blessing. Without going into a lot of detail, I'll just point out that our calling has various aspects to it. Paul refers to it in 1 Corinthians 1, in that very familiar passage at the end of that chapter. For you see, your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And and things which are despised hath God chosen. And things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Whereunto have ye been called you have been called unto the salvation that is found in Christ Jesus. Earlier in that chapter, Paul said, God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Just think about that. We have been invited into the presence of the Son of God to enjoy and relish his conversation, if you like, and his grace and his eternal glory. We get to share in that. We God is faithful by whom you were called under the fellowship of his Son, not just in this world, but in the world to come. A couple of New Testament scriptures speak further about that glory and our invitation to it. To the Thessalonians, Paul said, God called you by our gospel to the obtaining, the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. And Peter tells us later on in 1 Peter, The God of all grace hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. It is eternal glory to which we have been invited. We have not only been invited into the doctor's surgery where we are blessed with eternal health and salvation, but we have been invited to the great physician's very home to possess a a mansion in his dwelling place. This is quite an invitation. We have been invited and called unto life unto a life worth living that begins right here and goes on forever and ever. It needs to be kept in mind that with these great blessings come great responsibilities. To the Philippians, Paul testified, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3, 14 doesn't it suggest that the calling of God has some sort of goal attached to it? High press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's a point to it. Paul is not content with simply going to heaven. I'm going to go to heaven when I die. That wasn't good enough for him. He pushed himself to reach the mark for which God's high calling involved. And then he told the Ephesians, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Ephesians 4.1. Literally, if we're going to translate it properly, we would say, you and I have been called unto a calling. We have been called to a high calling. Vocation is the word klesis, which is related to Callio, the word call. Like Paul, you and I have been invited to a specific vocation. A calling. The calling of God. A very high calling. And their duties that go with that vocation, that calling. Peter exhorts us here in 3 9 to know and understand the high calling to which we have been invited. The things which Peter is listening listing, beginning in verse number eight, are all appropriate to our heavenly calling. Be of one mind, be tender-hearted, be courteous. We have been called unto these things. The Lord has brought us into a relationship with Him in order to display these things. Have compassion for each other. Love each other as brethren. And toward those who are still outside Christ and to perhaps who ha- perhaps consider you to be their their enemy never render evil for evil railing for railing in light of your high calling imitate the savior imitate the savior not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, the root of all sin grows in the soil of the flesh. Selfishness. It began with Lucifer's, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the Most High." It was all about Lucifer. That's where it all began. And then he came down and he suggested to the humans, "Don't you want to be like God? Don't you realize you're being deprived of, of your rights? It's all about you. Don't you deserve to be happy? Don't you deserve to feel good despite what, uh, what it might cost other people around you? Go ahead and, and puff on that weed. Go ahead and slip down that vodka. Because you have a right to be high. Even though it's destroying God's creation, your body, and even though it might be risking the lives of others, you have these rights. It's all about you. Go ahead. This is the way Satan works, insinuating himself into our flesh. And then once the flesh is activated, boy, there it goes. Off it runs. After that, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. James 1:14 and 15 All human sin involves fleshly self and a part of the nature of that self is disgusting filthy Part of that filth and dirt is our pride Aren't you being deprived of your rights Satan essentially said to Eve eat that forbidden fruit you deserve it you've been wronged God has wronged you by denying you this one tree all you have are all those other ones you must defend yourself retaliate punch that girl's lights out she said something evil of you go ahead you have every right No, you don't. No, you don't. All of this is wrong. All of this is evil. All of this is sin. And it will be judged. The Bible tells Christians to live not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Not rendering means not returning, not repaying, not rendering evil for evil refers to deeds. Don't slap because you've been slapped. Not rendering railing for railing refers to not replying to verbal abuse with other kinds of words. A part of many sports today is something called trash talk. Trash talk is the flinging of insults on your opponent in order to get him off his game or, or just make him feel bad, make him lose his confidence or his control. It's employed in everything from basketball to boxing. And fortunately for the people who are watching the game, we don't have to hear that. But it's going on. Sometimes that uh, trash talk is loose and fun. It's just being silly. But often it is far worse than that. It is filthy. It is disgusting. What's the best way to deal with trash talk? I just gave it to you. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> just ignore it. Just move on to say nothing back. Let your, let your deeds answer the trash talk. Forget about applying words there. Remember when you were little and you were jousting with your brother or your sister and he or she became really angry with you and perhaps started punching you or something like that. Really angry. Nothing increased that anger. Nothing increased your sense of victory than laughing at him or her. You think that hurts me? And it just uh, just makes the other person that much angrier. Laughing at their punches, laughing at their abuse, or something even worse is to turn around if you had a sister. Uh, start tickling her while she is trying to punch your lights out. Nothing makes them more angry. Earlier, Peter said, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow. His steps. Whereunto have we been called as Christians? Unto not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing. Among other things, we have been saved for the purpose of blessing those who abuse us. We've been saved for that purpose. Whereunto you have been called? Will there ever be a rule in sports against f- most forms of trash talk? I seriously doubt it. There it there are some forms of it. When there's actual threats against a person's life, then there are rules against that and gestures involved in that, but not a simple insult. But the rules of Christianity have statements about trash talk. It's not Christian. It is not Christ-like. Never render evil for evil, railing for railing. contrary your job, you've been called to be a blessing to these people who are railing upon you. A Christian is one of Christ's people. He is supposed to look like and represent his Savior. That means we are to live in the way that He lived. We are to love the way that He loved. We are to respond to sin in the way that He responded to sin. For even hereunto unto are ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps. Remember, in order to purchase your salvation... Christ was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. At his trial, the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witness against thee? And Jesus held his peace, didn't reply. When the wicked spit on him, he didn't spit back. He could have. He could have spit blood back. When they lied under oath and blasphemed Christ, he didn't respond, although he could have called fire down from heaven and incinerated them all. He didn't. When they beat him, he did not give them the pleasure of his cursing them or struggling against the beating. He was as a sheep before her shearers, so he opened not his mouth. One of the pictures that we have of Christ in the Old Testament, one of the types we have of Christ, is the the rock in the wilderness. (coughs) In Exodus 17, the people of Israel were once again complaining about their circumstances. They expected heaven on earth. And what they found was earth is a place where we're supposed to serve God. They weren't too interested in that part. Upon the leadership of the Lord, God actually guided them to a place called Riphidim. And there they pitched their tents. But there was no water for the people to drink. So they began to complain once again. And Moses cried out unto the Lord. What shall I do unto this people? They be almost ready to stone me. And God replied, Behold, I will stand before thee there on the rock in Horeb, and thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so, and God did his part. And water came out of the rock and the people were satisfied with that water. It was probably really good tasting water. Hasn't the Lord Jesus been smitten for us that we might drink of the water of life? God the Father had his command. Christ was beaten. And the water of life flowed forth. There's our great example. Let someone assume that Jesus' behavior was simply a part of the requirement necessary for him to provide us with salvation. We have other statements. Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. You can can turn there and follow along. It's a lengthy passage. John chapter, er, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, end of the chapter. Let's see. Verse number thirty-eight. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, Let him have thy cloak also, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain, too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard it been said, Love thy neighbor, hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only... What do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. When Jesus turned the other cheek, he was not doing so in order to perfect our salvation. This is what we're all supposed to do. This is just being like the Heavenly Father. Remember that one of the reasons we have been left on this earth and not taken to heaven immediately upon our salvation is that we might live here and bring glory to our Father which is in heaven. That we might make the lost around us recognize hey, there is a God and he's just and, and, and loving and caring. Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. High on the list of our purposes in this world is to draw attention of others to our Savior that God might be glorified in their salvation. Rendering evil for evil and railing for railing rather than blessing is contrary to our purpose. Contrary to the reason for our calling. Our salvation. Know not that ye are called thereunto. When I was first thinking about this message, I considered the title An Eye for an Eye. You want to take a look at that? Are the dogs outside? Maybe it's just persecution of the saints. Who knows? When I first started thinking about this message, uh, rolling around in the back of my mind was, uh, I need a catchy title. It doesn't have a catchy title, but I thought of one that I considered using I thought about the title, An Eye for an Eye. The Lord's instruction in Matthew 5 began with, Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, obviously, the age-old pattern uh, began probably with Adam, The age old pattern towards someone who might abuse us is to respond with our sinful flesh. It is to retaliate. So he has hit you with a stick, breaking one of your teeth and blinding an eye. Then return the favor, blind his eye, break two of his teeth. That's what we're supposed to do in this world. That's what the flesh says. That's what society tells us. But today, the words an eye for an eye can be taken in a more Christian sort of way. Although medical science has not yet come up with a way to transplant one fellow's eye into another person's eye socket, it probably will never happen because the eye is just too... Too magnificent, too spectacular. But uh, let's just let's just say that various parts of eyes are uh, and have been uh, transplanted for years. All right, that that enemy of yours needs an eye. Give him an eye for an eye. Give him. A cornea for a cornea. Be a blessing. Retaliation is condemned by our Savior. But to be a blessing, where a blessing is not deserved or not expected, that is a part of the vocation to which we have been called. Does your enemy need water? Is he thirsty? Then give him water. Our Savior tells us so. Is he hungry? Then feed him. Does he need an eye? Then give him an eye, so to speak. If we want to see revival in these last days, in this church or in Christianity generally, we need to implement the commands that the Lord has given to us that uh, perhaps we're not really interested in. But they are there nevertheless. Peter concludes this verse by saying that ye should inherit a blessing. Some might try to twist this verse around saying that Christians have been called to inherit a blessing. That's not what he says. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but countrywise a blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called to give a blessing. That ye should Inherit a blessing. We've been called to the ministry of being a blessing to those who need a blessing. We have been called to the ministry of being a blessing to those who definitely don't deserve a blessing. Who have abused us. Have been evil toward us. Railing upon us. When we come to the end of our earthly lives, we shall stand before the Bema judgment of God, and if He deem our behavior to have been Christ-like, then He will be a blessing to us. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, And every man, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The word blessing, which is found in this verse twice, in slightly different form, is the Greek word eulog, eulogia, from which our English word eulogy is derived. A eulogy is a speech, usually given at a funeral, in which the deceased person is praised. Rightly or wrongly, that's another matter. The Christian has been called to the ministry of replying to verbal abuse with words of praise or some other positive sort of thing. And when we come to the end of our earthly lives, the Lord is going to judge whether or not we have been faithful to this vocation to which we have been called. After salvation, which is by God's grace alone... Part of our eternal inheritance will be the reward which we have earned through our obedience and our service. Part of our eternal eulogy from Christ will be whether or not we have obeyed the precepts of this verse. Others as well. But this verse, not rendering evil for evil. Or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. How much praise do you think the omniscient Lord is going to give you at the judgment seat of Christ? Please stand.